0: Screen Time
1: with John Fardy. This is News Talk.
2: Hello and welcome to Screen Time. I'm John Fardy and this is News Talk's TV and movie show. This week on the show, I speak to the director of Night of the Museum, Stranger Things and Free Guy, Sean Levy, about his new movie, The Adam Project, about a time-traveling Ryan Reynolds. I talk to the director of the new Stranger Than Fiction movie, The Phantom of the Open plus Mark Ryle and the week's new releases. I'm open on Twitter, John underscore Fardy, or you can email me, screentime at newstalk.com. This show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on newstalk.com or the Newstalk app powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm right here on Newstalk. And it's coming to you slightly later this week due to the rugby at 7pm on the radio. Good weekend to you all. Hope you're doing well. Uh, lots of people were in touch about going to see the Batman and they greatly enjoyed it. Uh, me and Mark Wilde gave it four stars. I think Mark Wilde might have even given it four and a half, or we're certainly close to that. I certainly enjoyed it as well. I did bemoan it to length slightly. fact that it's three hours long and we actually had a text in last week from Gary and Rush saying come the revolution I will make it illegal to make a movie (laughs) more than 110 minutes long and uh, thank you for all the people who get in touch all week long about movies and tv and some people nicely even thanking us for prizes that they've won like goodie bags and dvd so all of the messages are read often responded to and i greatly appreciate them all it's funny the length of batman i was thinking about it. i was talking to a young chap yesterday he's probably 12 or 14 and he loved the batman and and, you know i said to him did you not find it too long though he said no no i loved it and i was thinking you know i think it's an age thing that the older you get you want shorter movies because you're busier because i said to the kid in question or the teenager i should say you know you're not busy you, you have your time you have your life to watch movies and it's true you know when you're younger the longer the movie the better in a way you know and and i you know i spent years in college spending days watching movies and you know i was thinking about it as well the uh one of the happiest days of my childhood, of my life, if I think back on it, was the day my brother and a childhood friend, and he's still a friend, a man called Carl Stanley, the three of us went to, I think it was the Adelphi in Dublin, and they were showing the three Star Wars movies back to back. Star Wars, The Emperor Strikes Back, and Return of the Jedi. And you took a break between each one. And this was like a whole day in the cinema. And genuinely, when I look back on my life You know, if you stepping stones in your life Days that matter to you That's right up there, it really is And I'm also slightly reminded of The late and sadly departed George Byrne Who was a beloved film reviewer For The Herald, he was also on News Talk And uh, he used to go into screenings <laughs> And before he'd sit down He'd look around and say to people around How long is this one? R.I.P. George Byrne Now, in TV this week I was watching this
0: the world works in certain
1: ways until a new great idea comes along and changes everything.
2: What if you could test your blood in your own home? And what if it wasn't a whole vial, but just a drop? I'm going to drop out of Stanford. This machine is going to change the world.
1: These kids don't overthink. They don't get bogged down about the way things have always been done. They want to change things now.
2: We are making healthcare accessible to everyone in this country.
1: I don't understand how you're doing this extremely complex chemical engineering with a high school degree. This technology is ten years away. Your idea is impossible, so you just keep trying. Do or do not, there is no try. That's Yoda. Okay. If you want this, you have to dedicate yourself. What are you willing to do to get it?
2: I can't give them one reason to doubt me. It's not even close to working yet. What
0: are we going to show at the demo? We're going to tell them that we don't have a working prototype. Right?
2: Yeah, now that's a clip from The Dropout, which is now dropping on Disney every week. There are four episodes up there. It, it landed last week, I think. You may be aware of this. This is all about Elizabeth Holmes, who was the founder of this medical company, Theranos, or Tharanos. And it claimed it had developed technology that would revolutionize blood testing. And in 2015, Forbes named Holmes the youngest self-made female billionaire in the country after Theranos was valued at $9 billion. American dollars. And of course, as you probably know, her downfall uh, ensued not too long after that. She's currently uh, awaiting sentencing, as far as I know. And it was found to be fraudulent in the extreme. And, you know, Silicon Valley were completely hoodwinked. Anyway, they've made a show about Miss Holmes and Amanda Seaford plays Elizabeth Holmes in it. And she's very good. She's really kind of an off kilter protagonist in it you're not quite sure what's motivating her a lot of the time is it ego is it a desire to change the world is it a combination of the two i found this pretty you know entertaining drama i have to say it's not terribly humorous in the way something like inventing anna which we spoke about a couple of weeks ago which is also about a different fraudster in america in manhattan as opposed to silicon valley but this is pretty gripping, entertaining drama. I've watched three episodes so far and it's a straight-ahead telling of the story, but it's well done. And the way it's slowly realising on her that the product she's inventing may be fraudulent, but yet she's going to power on through with it, seemingly in the hope that it's all going to work out at the end. I'm enjoying it so far. So the dropout on Disney Plus is definitely worth a watch. Now, take a listen to this. I told you to
3: stay in the garage. Let some creepy dude just wander around my house alone? Yeah. I don't think so.
2: Yeah,
1: believe me, I don't want to be here any more than you want me here. I just got to stop bleeding long enough. Address the wound, prevent a nasty infection, and I will be on my merry way. Don't touch that.
3: I was just looking.
1: Don't touch my stuff. Is this a lightsaber? No, it's not a lightsaber. Enough. With the bat, all right, all right? If I wanted to hurt you, I'd have done it already, because if I'm being perfectly honest with myself, you have a very punchable face.
3: Oh my God! God. that,
1: oh, that bullet went straight through. That's good. Pass. Wait, 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 wait,
2: wait, bullet? You were shot?
1: Yeah, no, actually, no, no. I was stabbed with a bullet. What do you think, you moron? I'm
3: the moron, you're the one who was shot.
1: Okay, that's it. <clears throat> that, wow, that, uh that's weird. It farts when I cough. <laughs>
2: Now that was a clip from the new Netflix movie The Adam Project, which landed on Netflix on the 11th of March. And there you heard Ryan Reynolds playing Adam Reed, a time traveller from the year 2050, who accidentally crash lands in 2022 and finds himself face to face with a 12-year-old. But not any 12-year-old, it's his 12-year-old self, the same guy. And that young guy playing himself there is played by a young actor called Walker Scoble. And together, they head back in time, facing up to their past to save the Earth's future. Their father has recently died, as in around 2022, around the 12-year-old's time. And they're both dealing with it in different ways. It's a time-travelling sci-fi comedy with a lot of heart, a lot of laughs, touch it Back to the Future and Spielberg about it I really enjoyed it it's a straight ahead feel good comedy as I say with plenty of heart and fathers and sons and also fathers and mothers in it as well Jennifer Garner playing the mother in question and doing it very well now it was directed by Sean Levy who you know by anyone's standards is one of the most successful directors of the last 20 years having directed everything from the Night at the Museum movies Cheaper by the Dozen last year's incredibly successful Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds And as if all that wasn't enough, he's the director of Stranger Things, which is an adored show, also kind of nostalgia-y one with touches of Back to the Future in the 80s as well. So there's a theme here. He's a pretty cool dude, Sean Levy, and a very optimistic kind of guy. And I had a great chat with him about the Adam project and plenty of other things. You know, there's a gorgeous wish fulfilment, I suppose, at the base of it. The idea of talking to your younger self and also making amends with your father and fathers and sons and all that kind of stuff. Is that what spoke to you about the project? You thought I got that is exactly into this? why I
1: did it. You <laughs> literally I, I, I can do this interview without talking because you, <laughs> you just perfectly articulated the precise reason I wanted to do this movie. It has these ideas that are so thematically rich. And I believed that they are universal wishes. And mm. the way that people are responding to the movie as we've now started to show it confirms that these are shared human fantasies yeah. to revisit our own histories yeah. and uh, to make a movie that could literalize that idea mm. uh, to use it as plot and theme. Yeah, I had a sense that that would be very gratifying.
2: And you know what I really like about it as well is when older Adam comes back to younger Adam, you know, you have this idea that when you meet your younger self, you're going to, put your arms around him or her and go, it's all right, man, you've got this or whatever, but he's kind of an asshole to him at times as well. It's, I thought that was a wonderful conceit.
1: I I think that was an early idea for Ryan and I, this idea that if you have a protagonist who is fundamentally self-loathing, who then meets the self, he would loathe that younger self.
2: (laughs) That's a good point.
1: And so to kind of in that way to be subversive with the more cloying, soft potential, of Mm. this premise as you know because you've seen the movie trust me we do not shy away from poignance and emotion when the moment is right but to start from a place of conflict with oneself and to literalize Mm. that conflict with your kid version of you that felt interesting and also conflict is a great source of comedy and we wanted the movie to have a good dose of comedy
2: yeah. Well, there's loads of that in there. And you know, I don't mean to pry and you don't have to answer any of this, but I'm aware that you have four daughters. Uh, I have two boys and a daughter. Who, who, who else would it be? So, <laughs> listen, but, but obviously you, you have had an a, alien child. I know. Um, I just thinking, yeah. It must be a daughter. So, but what I was going to say was, but you know, your own daddy issues, I mean, your own relationship with your father, did that play a part in this?
1: Um, for sure. Uh, Ryan and I both kind of siphoned off a lot of our own autobiographical struggles and issues mm. and 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 kind of mainlined them into this movie. It's why making the movie was such a, frankly, therapeutic and emotional experience. My dad was was not as challenging a figure as Ryan's, but look, I, I feel like I spent the first 20 years of my life worshiping my father and viewing him as perfect. And then I spent probably about 15 years in my twenties and early thirties, bitterly resentful <laughs> that he was so flawed. Yeah. And then somewhere towards 40, I realized, okay, two things. A, this anger is not making my life happier. So I've got to work through it and release it. Yeah. And then secondly, oh, you know what? My dad is neither superhero nor villain. He's yeah. just a dude like me who's doing the best he can. Yeah. And that empathy led to understanding that has made my adult life a lot happier. So yeah, very much so at play in 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 what I brought to the movie.
2: Do you know that Mark Twain quote? I was amazed at 18 how little my father knew, and then by the time I was 30, he'd learned so much. It's a it's a great quote, you know.
1: I had never heard that. That is a great one.
2: Have your daughters seen the movie?
1: Many many times, probably okay. more than they'd like. <laughs>
2: Fair enough, fair enough. So listen, the young uh Adam, Walker Scoble is, is I think I would pronounce his surname. He's he's great and he's you know, he's as punky as as Ryan is in it, and it works great. Where did you find him?
1: We found him in a global casting search. The okay. maybe one of the smarter things I did on this movie is I hired immediately, I hired Carmen Cuba to cast it. Carmen is a friend and a colleague, and and I've She's cast Stranger Things for us Mm. over the past four seasons. So I've witnessed firsthand that she's as good as there is as far as global search for kid talent. So we saw hundreds of kids. Walker became a finalist. And we just got a sense that, oh, wow, this kid who's never done a damn thing has an authenticity and a sensitivity that is a true gift. Mm. We later realized on set, He also, without us knowing, is a Deadpool fanatic. So this is a kid who, since he's been seven years old, has literally studied the Ryan Reynolds delivery cadence and inflection. And so the reason it feels like two versions of the same person is that Walker was able to channel Ryan without a note of direction. He did it out of his fanhood
2: for Deadpool. Wow. And did his knowledge of uh, Deadpool, did you just come across that because you could hear him quoting it or it just became apparent on set that he was- No, no.
1: On set, uh, first he mentioned like, you know, I've seen Deadpool 36 times <laughs> and Ryan and I, and we were, in, we were already charmed with Walker. We were like, oh yeah, sure. Right. He's like, want me to recite it? We were like, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, he goes, I can recite both movies. Do you want to hear one or two? And wow. he proceeded to recite pages of wow. ryan monologuing from deadpool and if you go on instagram somewhere uh in maybe december or january of 2021 on ryan's instagram is walker reciting deadpool in the backseat of the car with zoe saldana and walker and ryan i'm,
2: go- I'm gonna have to check that out
1: it's delightful
2: Yeah, it it sounds like it. Tell me this, you know, you're successful enough for me not to compare you to any other director. Why would I? But I did once or twice think that this movie was quite Spielberg-esque. Has anyone else suggested that to you? Yes. Okay. Uh, Are you okay with that?
1: uh, Please. Are you kidding? I am okay with that. And I had had the unique experience and, and privilege of working with Steven for almost a year because he produced Real Steel. And mm. so, I was in the trench with Stephen. I saw okay. what he is as a filmmaker and as a producer. Frankly, the way that I run my company, Twenty One Laps, is largely modeled on what I saw him do, okay. as a director producer, while I was directing Real Steel. So, Stephen is a friend. He's someone I admire immensely, and yes, I'm I'm deeply flattered that that more than a few people have noted the Spielbergian aspects of the Adam project and uh it's it's not necessarily a reference to his movies but mm. it's certainly i as a filmmaker am deeply influenced by his movies yeah.
2: you know i mentioned you being wildly successful and i was going before i spoke to you through your list of movies and it's incredible really that they're all from one person all the movies you've directed but they are all they they have a sunny outlook for the most part yes. on life. Yes. They really do. Is that, is yes. that like, in, of course it's intentional, but I mean, are you aware of that? That when you look at your work, you go, this is a guy who probably wakes up in the morning and thinks it's good that he's awake and the glass is half full. Uh, that's extremely
1: true. You know, people sometimes have commented on the eclecticism of my movies mm. because obviously like cheaper by the dozen is very different from real steel. And from Night at the Museum and The Adam Project or Free Guy. But the truth is, I see clear continuity and mm-hmm. it is a fundamental optimism, a commitment to warm hearted humanism, regardless okay. of genre. And that is that is reflective of how I try to live. Yeah. Uh, I'm not always sunshiny and cheerful. My <laughs> wife could tell you that. Um, but I am fundamentally hopeful and idealistic. I'm willing to work my tail off to get the outcomes I want, Mm. but I also believe that they are possible. And I guess that's a fundamental optimism that comes through in my movies.
2: And on that, and, and finally then, in terms of, you know, Hollywood has been in a state of chaos since it was founded right but we do hear more now than cinema being in trouble because of you know you know more more than I do all the reasons why are you but here you are making movies year after year very sunny optimistic ones are you still optimistic about cinema continuing to thrive and all that kind of stuff I sense you are
1: Uh, well without question and even I don't even take my opinion for it if you look at What I experienced with Free Guy, for instance, Mm -hmm. Uh, that's an original big budget movie that is based on nothing but new ideas that came out in the middle of a pandemic and thrived. Mm -hmm. It shows me that the theatrical marketplace is healthy and there is still an appetite for it. Lord knows we've seen that ratified by Spider-Man No Way Home. Mm -hmm. Um, That said, Adam Project is for a streamer. It will reach 200-plus countries and millions and millions of people who might not otherwise have gotten this movie in Mm. their local theater. So I see the value of both. And My goal, my personal goal, and yes, I do think the business will survive. It will evolve. It will change. It will stumble. I very selfishly want to keep straddling streaming and theatrical because they scratch different itches. And ultimately, I'm going to go where the story I can't resist is to yeah, be
2: told. Sure, absolutely. Well, your warm-hearted humanism is, is infectious, and it was lovely to talk Thanks, to you. Thanks,
1: I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. Cheers.
2: Yes, the very optimistic Sean Levy there, who directed The Adam Project, which is now on Netflix as of the 11th of March, and it's available to stream. And a, a nice weekend movie for you, I would say. Maybe one for, is it one for you with your younger kids I'm not sure sometimes I say that and then I check the cert and I go oh maybe not Uh, but I think it is there's a lot of heart in it a lot of heart in it and my thanks to Sean Levy there up next a very different movie called The Phantom of the Open now you're welcome back to Screen Time I'm John Fardy and this is News Talks TV and Movie Show I'm open on Twitter John underscore Fardy, or you can email me, Screen Time at Newstalk.com. If you're listening to us on the radio, we are coming to you at the slightly later time of 7 pm this week. Now, a new movie opening next week, Friday the 18th of March, is a movie called The Phantom of the Open, as opposed to The Opera. The Phantom of the Open. Take a listen to this. I didn't choose golf. March chose me, it was Destiny. Ah, sorry! Flipping neck. Where I come from. The only job was a shipyard. But I did have ambitions, of course. If you could do anything in the old world, what would you do? And Guinness. <laughs> Pretty soon. My own dreams were put on hold. A new young man once said he was gonna be somebody. I promised champagne, caviar, diamonds. You should have married him. Then,
3: well, everything changed. And he's done it. It just goes to show if you put your mind to it, you can achieve anything you want to.
2: I'm going to have a crack at the British Open. Golf?
0: The British Open is the most respected tournament in the
2: world. I never even played bloody golf before Dad. Mind your
0: language on the course. F***ing
2: you know. hell. You know, that's a clip from the Phantom of the Open. It tells the remarkable true story of Morris Flitcroft a crane operator and an optimistic dreamer from a place called Barrow and Furnace in Cumbria, who, with the support of his family in the kind of middle years of his life, managed to gain entry to the 1976 British Open, qualifying, despite never playing a round of golf before. With pluckiness and an unwavering self-belief, Morris pulls off a series of stunning, hilarious and heartwarming attempts to compete at the highest level of professional golf, drawing the kind of ire of the golfing elite. Uh, But becoming like a British folk hero, I suppose, almost in the style of Eddie the Eagle or someone like that. Now, the movie stars the great Mark Rylance and also Sally Hawkins as his, at times, suffering but deeply loving wife, Jean. It was directed by Craig Roberts. He's a British actor, director, writer and producer. In 2010, he starred as the young protagonist Oliver Tate in Richard Eowati's brilliant movie, Submarine, which you may have seen, where he plays this lovelorn teenager. It's absolutely delightful. Since then, he's continued to act in Hollywood movies and Amazon TV shows and BBC TV shows. And he's also directed uh, and written other movies. This is his third directed movie. And I got to talk to him about The Phantom of the Open and a few other things besides. So, Craig, how did this come to you? I mean, it's a story on one level about golf, but it's about so much more. And golf haters should definitely not be put off. In fact, they might quite enjoy it on some level. So how did it land on your desk and why did you say yes?
3: Um, I, I So uh, the producers of the movie had seen the second film I'd made called Eternal Beauty at London yes. Film Festival. And I think then they... They, yeah, they sent the script to my agent and I read it and I immediately loved it. It was kind of script that I, I wish I'd written myself, to be honest. Um, I just I, I felt like I knew the characters and they reminded me of family members. And um, I love the world. I never thought I'd make a sports film in any kind of way. But like you said, it's it's not really about sports. It's kind of golf is just the backdrop for it, really. It's about many things. It's about, you know, it's about family and it's about love and it's about going against your birth lottery and, and trying to, you know, defy the odds that you're, that you're given um and you know I, I love an underdog story so I was yeah. like yeah absolutely I'll, I'll I'll give it a go
2: yeah he's a fascinating character uh, Morris did you did you read a lot about him when you decided to do it because my wife watched it with me and she kept saying to me is this true is this true because it got slightly more and it's that old thing about you know it's fact you couldn't make it up fact is stranger than fiction did you read a lot and become fascinated that way as well
3: Well, yeah, as soon as I got the script, I I then read Simon's book because he he adapted the script from the book. Um, And I, you know, I watched some interviews that were on YouTube. And yeah, I was like, you know, I was fascinated by I think his sense of humor is what I loved the most. I couldn't tell Mm -hmm. when he was joking or when he wasn't really (laughs) and who was in who was in on that joke. Um, and it I suppose in a weird way it reminded me of the, the Martin Scorsese movie The King of Comedy with Robert De Niro. Okay, yeah. Um,
2: yeah. you know,
3: where Rupert Pupkins walking around and telling everybody he's funny but nobody quite believes him. Yeah. Um and for me there's no there's no better setup than that for a character. So yeah, I was like, Oh, I mean, a- a- absolutely. Um, That's a, and I think the, the, the part of the appeal of this was also that yes, it's a true story, but nobody really knew about Morris, yeah. you know, like with Eddie the Eagle, people kind of knew about Eddie. Yes. The Eagle. Whereas this um, it was kind of it felt like we were bringing it to the world, and um, yeah, that that was exciting. but also at the same time, I didn't really want to treat it like a, a complete biopic. like it was more about capturing the the spirit of Morris and his optimism and, yeah. and stuff like that.
2: There's lovely flourishes in it and and the way the camera looks and all that really make it not like a traditional biopic. Like you you achieved it in that way, because it's not that straight ahead. I was oh, born, thank you. I did this and then I died, or whatever, you know, because <laughs> we've all seen too much of that. You know, there's maybe I read it in the production notes or somewhere, but there's a Don Quixote kind of thing about him as well, uh, Morris. Like he's 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 really tilting at the windmills. But that's that's the joy of it, I guess, right?
3: I think so absolutely absolutely it's man against the machine is what it is Mm. you know he's going against the establishment and who doesn't like somebody that sticks to the establishment I think that's I think it's really 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 cool Um, and he you know his his confidence was just incredible
2: yeah it really was
3: (laughs) yeah I've just you know I've just finished watching that Kanye West documentary um, on Netflix and okay. that's fant- fantastic and it's just lovely to see somebody that truly believes for you know whether you like Kanye or not for who he is or what he says it was in his earlier career it's nice to see somebody that was just so confident in their ability yeah. that they could do something and even if it didn't work out for Morris in the way it did for Kanye West it's <laughs> it's, um, it's I think it's really refreshing to see that yeah. And I think I think people need to see that really
2: yeah, no, that, that's a very good point. It was funny the can you thing where he's literally showing up at executives' doors and rapping for them unannounced. Yeah. There's there's a real similarity, all right, now that you say it. Yeah, yeah
3: there's, there's almost just like tunnel vision, like complete yeah. blinkers, you know, like the, 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 the they can do it, and they yeah. you know, they they believe that they should be given a chance.
2: I had the pleasure of interviewing Mark Rylance last year for the trial of the Chicago Seven. It uh, yeah. was a short interview, but I'm not just saying this because we're talking about it. But he was the most charming man, and you just felt like you were talking to just a buddy in the pub he was an extraordinary everyman kind of you know and he told this brilliant story about the oscars how when he won he thought he'd be going to a party with jack nicholson instead he was standing around with these executives he was just delightful
0: i I,
3: I
2: presume you you i mean i'm not sure at what point he came on but he must be just a joy to have playing this character
3: yes i mean he i mean he changed the game for us really when he when he Mm -hmm. came on board we we sent the script and i wrote a little letter to him and And then I had a phone conversation about like the references for the film and how I saw it and stuff. Um, And he seemed on board with that. And he was all about really just grounding it, you know, not Mm -hmm. playing to the comedy um, and it not being too farcical. And I think that that's absolutely right. Um, And that's what he does bring to it. He just, you know, he's very relatable and um, he's all in the eyes. You know, his actor is he's a a master of his craft. Absolutely. It's, there's very little directing going on when he's acting, to okay. be honest. <laughs>
2: right. <laughs> just, make,
3: just making sure the camera's in the right place. Stay
2: out of his way.
3: Yeah, yeah, exactly. But he was also, like, at the same time, I was certainly intimidated first time meeting him. You know, it's Sir Mark Rylance, and he's he's the best. Um, but he was so, he was just so playful mm-hmm. and so up for, you know, collaborating and and messing around and testing stuff out. And um, he loves what he does. And that's, you know, that's, that's that makes your life easier. So much yeah. easier.
2: I can imagine and just on the golf aspect of it you know you were saying or we were saying at the start it's even for people who hate golf you know I'm not a golfer and you know golfers get annoyed when you start slagging them off and understandably so because they're not a monolith or anything like that mm-hmm. is all, well. but I, I have some skin in the game and that I worked as a caddy in New York and my misspent youth in a fancy upscale New York golf club and I absolutely oh, wow. hated it and <laughs> I hated the people but there is a lovely thing in this and it's harsh at times that there's a real snobbery that he encountered from the golfing fraternity like that's kind of accurate at that time wasn't it i mean they really thumbed their noses out of it
3: i think yeah they definitely did with him 100 percent, absolutely and i think at that time and i don't know what it's like now really but my dad yeah. used to play golf and my dad just remembered that yeah it was certainly elitist it felt at, at the best of times like it was hard mm. to hard to get into the right into the right groups and stuff um and i think that's what that's what makes makes this special and also funny. Like he just doesn't it doesn't acknowledge that they're yeah. being snobs at all. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of just like I'm here and I'm ready to play. Yeah. Do you want to play with me? Um, and for them, I suppose it's it's alarming to see somebody that's ready to break the mold. Yeah. And I really like that. I really yeah, like yeah.
2: that. I uh, loved the movie I first saw you in *Submarine*, uh, oh, and you. I was just reminding myself of it this morning and. You know, this kid who's going around checking when his parents are having sex and how lovelorn he is. And he gets a note from his dad saying, please excuse him. His little heart is broken. He can't go to school today. It's it's absolutely gorgeous. And, you know, I was going to say it's a cult classic, but it was huge at the time. But by Mer- Reckoning, you were probably only 17 when you filmed that, were you? Yeah, I think
3: 17, 18. Yeah, around, around the, yeah I but, know I had no but, clue what I was doing.
2: Well, well, you you pulled it off, you know. Ignorance is bliss. But was it was it kind of head turning to get that much attention at that young age? Or I mean, you've clearly ridden it out. You're a director, and you've continued to act. But it must have been slightly unsettling all that attention.
3: Yeah, yeah yes. Uh, looking back, probably, but more. It was just. Um, I just felt very fortunate and incredibly lucky because uh, before then, I, I I'd done jobs and you know I'd acted and stuff, but. but um, you know I couldn't really get into the right rooms and, and stuff like that but thanks to Richard and the movie that he made um people really responded to it and um yeah I was able to work after that really it kind of yeah it might you know it kind of kickstarted my career that I, I was able to explore other things and then pivot to directing later on yeah. so um yeah I owe so much to that movie I owe so much to that movie and also so much to Richard just because he opened my eyes in terms of what can be done and that you know I didn't have to just be an actor. I could create my own stuff as well at the same time.
2: When you look at that, when you look at the other two movies you made, just Jim with Emil Hirsch, which I saw at the time, and Eternal Beauty, and now this, you're you're delightfully down a different track or slightly off beat. Uh, is that is right. that your your intention? That not not that you won't direct Avengers movies in the future. Who knows? But that clearly appeals to you. The road less traveled, kind of.
3: I think so. I think so. I mean, I. Certainly part of why I wanted to do this movie is because I felt like I, I couldn't write a script that was this commercial. <laughs> I felt like, you know, I felt like this was so accessible and, that, yeah. you know, for everybody. Um that's why, I want you know, I wanted to challenge myself and because the movies before then were slightly abstract and, and strange. Hmm. And my sensibilities certainly lie with that, for sure. If you'd seen the first cut of Phantom of the Open, it was closer to that. for OK, sure. right. Um, but you know, obviously, that's that's not what everybody wants to see, and we want to make movies that people want to see. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, yeah, pro- probably the movies I do after this, hopefully, will be that similar to similar to what I've done before, and just carrying that on. I think the the offbeat thing just comes from, I suppose, movies I like and mm-hmm. the movies I've, I grew up on, and um, just interesting stories, really. I suppose, yeah, I suppose outsiders, stories about outsiders, I kind of like. I think looking back on what I've made, they all seem to be about outsiders.
2: Yeah. And you clearly, like you've mentioned a couple of movies just in our chat for 10 minutes, you you watch or you certainly did in the past watch a lot of movies. I gather you're a, a cinephile of sorts.
3: Yeah, I, I hopefully. I mean, I'm trying to. I mean, if I'm not watching them, I don't know what I'm doing, really, because <laughs> it's uh, that's the, my only form of education. OK, so I kind of I have to. I definitely I mean, I feel so behind because I've not really caught up on what's out now and like what's going on. But there was a period certainly towards my late 20s, mid to late 20s, where I was trying to watch as much as possible Mm. and just take it in. Mainly because I was just fearful that if I'm going to make a film, surely I need to know what's come before me and like, you know, how how it's been and how people have done it. So it would be ignorant of me, I think, to, to ignore that.
2: Yeah. Well, I think I think this is, movie is going to be very big, I have to say. And, uh, you know, I've seen comparisons to things like The Full Monty and all. So I think certainly in its, you know, its appeal is going to be huge. I think there's a lot more going on than there is in The Full Monty. But anyway, <laughs> listen, fi- finally then, uh, what is next for you or what's the next project?
3: Um, so the next project I'm doing is um, it's actually called Honey and it's a... Uh, it's a relationship drama. I think that's pretty much all I can say about it, but it's based okay. on an Arthur Schnitzler novella um, okay. from 1896 or what have you. Okay. Um, it's, pretty, it's pretty, hopefully it's not too dark, but it's relatively dark.
2: Well, look, we'll stay with The Phantom of the Open for now, which is a, a gorgeous film. It's in cinemas from Friday the 18th of March. It's lovely to talk to you, Greg. Thanks very Thank much. Thank you
3: so much, John. Thanks for your time. Really appreciate My it.
2: Pleasure. Craig Roberts there talking to me about The Phantom of the Open, which is in cinemas on the 18th of March. And a jolly, jolly movie it is too. And Mark Ryland's, as always, is great in it. Up next, the inimitable Mark Royal. Now you're welcome back to Screen Time, News Talks TV and Movie Show. It's a quiet week for new cinema releases because uh, it's just the nature of it. Maybe The Batman took up a lot of action. There is one new release this week, an unusual movie, very different to The Batman, called Red Rocket, all about an aging porn star, which is probably a wonderful segue, if I could think (laughs) of one, into our resident critic, Mark Ryle. Hello, sir. (laughs)
0: <laughs> okay, yeah. I don't know where to go from there. No, I know.
2: Let's just get to the movie. This is a curiosity, I think it's fair to say.
0: It is, yeah. It's a it's a comedy drama um, with, with very little co- drama or comedy. <laughs> um, <it> was <laughs>
2: We've both seen this.
0: We have, yeah, yeah. It's written, uh, edited, and directed by uh, Sean Baker, who previously made The Florida Project, which I thought was great, and also a movie called Tangerine, which I haven't seen, but I've heard really good things about um, this one I liked less the more it went on and it goes on for a very, very long time. Um, or if you'd prefer a smutty innuendo, it's very long and hard and there's very little <laughs> at the end of it. So It's
2: my fault, I started with that, so yeah, okay. <laughs>
0: So anyway, Simon Rex plays Mikey Sabre, who is a man, I suppose you could say he's circling the drain of life. Um, he's fallen out of the bottom of the Los Angeles porn industry, and he's returned to his hometown in Texas with with barely the clothes on his back and without a red sense to his name. And Mikey lands himself on the doorstep of his, his estranged wife and his mother-in-law, and he browbeats them into letting them, let, letting him sleep on their couch under the understanding that he'll help out with the rent but because his previous occupation was a very very public one uh, he finds that service jobs are very hard to come by and after what seems like an eternity of nothing happening he finds a 17 year old working in a donut shop that he decides would be perfect for a career in porn and he sees her as his ticket back in and that's where i checked out (laughs)
2: Okay, but there he does also start to deal, uh, he becomes a low level drug dealer before he connects with the girl as well. He's also desperately trying to win his way back into the house, as you point out, of his estranged ex wife and his mother in law, as you said. Uh, I'm sensing you really didn't like this, then.
0: I, I, I really didn't at all, yeah. Um, I look, I, I suppose talking about the as a general rule of thumb right if i'm talking about the plot of a movie i will generally stick to the first ter- third or the first 30 minutes mm. and by that stage the plot should be well and truly established but red rocket takes an absolute age to get around to this central premise which is the the grooming of a 17 year old and up to that it's quite repetitive and the pacing is really sluggish and nothing happens for a very long time so by the time, but by the time it pivots to this predatory aspect, I, I was honestly yearning for the bits where it was just about nothing. Um, I think it's a very, very odd narrative choice. Um, and outside of that, I didn't find that there was, there was much going on at all. And it takes an awfully long time getting there.
2: You see, there's a couple of things. Like, I liked its slowed pace, its indie kind of style. He shows up. He's the dregs of society. He doesn't seem to have any money. He slowly works his way back into the house. He decides that he's found a ticket back into his porn life. And... That kind of held my attention. Now, I agree with you. I, I think you're saying there's certainly a queasiness about watching this grown man, in essence, groom a 17-year-old for a life in porn. But, I mean, it has to be said, the film isn't saying this guy's great or anything or hats off. It's, you know, we're, we're meant to see him as a deeply flawed individual.
0: I don't know. I don't think it comes down on one side or the other hard enough to get away with the, mm. the grooming aspect of it. I also don't know whether, the, whether we're supposed to, to laugh at this guy or to feel sorry for him mm. because uh, you, there's bits of it where you know you're watching it thinking i think i think i'm supposed to you know feel something for this guy here but i, I didn't i didn't think it was funny i didn't th- i didn't feel sorry for him either and that's got nothing to do with uh, simon rex who's the lead or his performance because he really really does a tremendous job with the material he's got to work with and um, as does um, Susanna's son, who plays the the seventeen year old, mm. um, this I think is her first movie, and she really doesn't give that impression at all. No, um, it's just that the material is so so deeply unpleasant, and Mikey is such a, an unpleasant character to spend time with. He's he's like a, a a kid who fell asleep at nineteen and just hibernated for twenty years, and then woke up in the body of a forty year old without any of the skills or the attributes that that come with you know accepting responsibility or or processing failure. <laughs> and it's it's not cute, or funny, or charming. I just thought he was he was awful.
2: I see what you're saying. But what if I said to you, though, is the movie not making a point about so many people get into the porn industry, clearly because they're in very tight circumstances. And the movie is making some point about the correlation between poverty and porn. And in that way, you know, it, it works on that level. But I, I, I guess not for you, then.
0: Is it though? Is it? I, I, I'm not sure if it is making that point. I can see where you're coming from, but I would, I, 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 I didn't get that from at all. Listen. Well, I
2: kind of got that feeling. I kind of got an almost, you know, no, I'm not saying I loved it or anything, but I, I got mm. that kind of, these fringes of American life, like, not like No Man Land, nomad Land, but, but those type of movies that are dealing with, you know, people in, in really tight circumstances, as I say, and that they mm. fall into drugs and they fall into porn, you know? Uh,
0: I did, yeah, I did, I, I, I that's interesting because I thought there was a bit of um, poverty tourism going on here. That 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 certainly wasn't there in in the Florida project. Mm. Um, that movie was much more sympathetic to its its below the poverty line characters. I thought here though, I think uh, Baker is treating these these working class characters as as something to be laughed at, um, which you know maybe possibly might be. Not acceptable, but more palatable if there was a point to be made or some grand ultimate statement but it's, I, 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 if there is, i didn't see it i think it's the other thing is that it's told through uh Mikey's point of view, yeah, and he has no morals, and uh for me, neither does the movie mm. um and i just don't I, I just don't think it has anything to say
2: okay, you see, I actually thought it was invoking us to feel. Pity, and I know pity is kind of a useful, useless emotion, but that's what I thought its point was. But clearly, we got different things from it. Two things, though. Uh, Simon Rex, I, he, he's a great actor, and and I thought the fact that you begin thinking you're on his side, and then you know he becomes clearly someone who's just u- ultimately a hundred percent not a nice person. He did carry that very well.
0: Yeah, I I agree. I mean, he's great in the role. Um, it's just which he didn't like the role. Yeah. I just uh, Listen, Sean Baker is entitled to tell any kind of story he likes using any age or colour or shape of characters mm-hmm. he pleases. But here's the thing, I don't have to go along with it.
2: No, you absolutely don't. I, I feel like we're turning into a politics show here and I'm arguing with you from <laughs> one side of the fence to the other. I'll tell you one thing that drove me bananas, and I'm not yeah. going to give you a spoiler, but the ending. I really yeah. hated the ending, and I've said it to you before, there's a fine line between an ending which is just like, this is the most profound ending ever or we didn't know how to finish it so we're going to make it look really profound. And it really annoys me when you've been carried along for the two hours or whatever it is. And two hours,
0: a, it is two hours.
2: There's a bailout ending. Now, it's, the director a, might might feel it isn't a bailout ending, but I really did.
0: No, it's, a, it's a, yeah, the ending is a complete cop-out. Yeah. And it, it kind of undoes anything that may have even been hinted at. Yeah. Um, right. It reminded me a lot of a movie by Todd Sollins called Happiness from 20 odd years back, which was also incredibly unpleasant to spend any time with and not something that I would ever consider going back to.
2: Well, well, you see, here's the incredible thing. You I,
0: loved happiness. I,
2: well, I, I, I would give it five stars. Happiness. Uh, mm. That's it. That's probably in my top ten movies. Here what? we're at that chasm again, folks. I really would have thought you would have loved Happiness. I know no. there were some deeply unpleasant people in it, but there was also, really. But anyway, we're we're getting off the point here. That's for another day. What would you give Red Rocket stars wise?
0: Um, I'm giving it a two. It just didn't work for me.
2: Okay, I'm going to give it a three because there were certainly elements of it I enjoyed, but the ending really annoyed me. But that is Red Rocket. If you want to see what me and Mark are kind of arguing about, in a, uh, why don't you check it out? It's in cinemas from this Friday, which is the 11th of March, if I'm not mistaken. Mark, next week we're doing something very special, and we'll be in a lot of agreement because we're looking at our favourite slash the best Irish movies of all time because it's St. Patrick's Weekend.
0: We are. I'll be wearing my, uh, my, my, my leprechaun beard and, uh, <laughs> it'd be nice to talk, to be positive for a change.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I look forward to that. Whatever we talk about. Thanks, Mark.
0: Thanks, John.
1: I don't want to be here. All right. This is embarrassing. Well, I don't want you here You think here I want to show up like this? I got my ass kicked. I just need a place to crash. Why can't you okay, be here? Like, what does it look like? A hotel? Really? It's like that? Can you get off
3: the property, what, please? What? Why? What, what are you going to do? Really? Well, you you're want, gonna, oh, really, you want me to call, call the act- cops? I'll call the cops. Go. On. Call yeah. the cops nine eight
1: seven faster i'm technically off the property so you can't call the cops because i'm on public land respecting your boundaries can you keep it down Can you come over here so i don't have to project my voice please
2: that's a clip there from red rocket which is now in cinemas as of this weekend this friday the 11th of march mark ryle really didn't like it he gave it two stars i thought it had some redeeming features not entirely but i gave it three stars Just remind you, this show is available as a podcast every Friday at 5pm on Newstalk.com or the Newstalk app, powered by Go Loud. And it's on the radio every Saturday at 6pm here on Newstalk, although it was on at 7 this week due to the rugby. So that is it for this week. Next week, as you heard me and Mark Royal say there, we are doing a special Best Irish Movies for the weekend that's in it. And you can hear that show early. It's going to be on Thursday at midday on News Talk, and it'll be repeated, of course, on Saturday. It's usual time. That's it for this week. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your weekend.